cross and I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross and here I am to worship here I am to bow and just begin to surrender and sing it Lord here I am to bow down to say that you're mine you're all together and all too come on somebody sing it say Lord you are you're all you're so wonderful to sing hallelujah Lord sing oh Lord here I am and here I am to say that you're my God you're all together lovely you're all You're all, all together wonderful to me. Now, if you know that you serve an amazing God who did it all on the cross for you, take just a second to put your hands together and give God a praise. Come on, if you know that... You couldn't make it without him. If you know that you wouldn't survive it without him. If you know that, that he truly is able to do exceeding and abundantly. Come on, somebody just sing hallelujah. Come on, just somebody just take a second and say hallelujah. Come on, if you've ever been through some things and you can say if it had not been for the Lord on my side. Come on, if you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death but, but feared no evil, come on, just take a second and just begin to give God a praise this evening. Come on, if you've been snatched out of the fiery, come on, somebody. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Come on, just, come. we're not done yet. We're not done. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. You're all together worthy. It is so good to be in the presence of the Lord on this Good Friday. It's so good to be able to gather together. To be able to be in one mind and one accord. 
with the understanding that the story doesn't end on a Friday night. That the book isn't closed with the last breath, but we can still celebrate. It doesn't matter how dark the day may seem, it doesn't matter how dim the future may be, we still know that he's rising again on the third day. See, I really want to get to my notes, but I feel like preaching. Because there's some of us that understand this. There's some that are looking around and like, isn't this a somber occasion? Isn't this a day where he died? Didn't he die? Shouldn't we be just uh, grieving and, and, and reverence? And, and we do those things, but, but there are some, you see us celebrating and shouting because we understand what the purpose of Good Friday was. Because he could raise again and he could take the keys to death, to hell, and the grave so that we might have life. I told you I was jittery, but I don't feel jittery at all. Let me stay up here before I knock something over. Anybody feel the presence of the Lord here this evening? Anybody feel the power of God here? Anybody feel it? Know this. I, I, my notes are short. Y'all know that don't mean nothing, but I'm going to just say it for somebody to calm someone's fears. But it doesn't matter because it's not about my notes, it's not about my plans, it's about God doing what he wants to do. And so let me tell you this, it doesn't matter what you've brought in here this evening. The one who holds it all He says, take heart, because I've overcome the world. That one is here this evening. So whatever your need may be, I know we're taking communion, I know we're supposed to do that, but I think that we can also, while doing communion, there can be healing. I, I, I just, I believe that. I don't. I understand that we have protocol and we have things we're supposed to do, but, but, but if you need to be delivered today, we can pray today. We can, we can move this table on over and we can pray because whatever thy will be done, thy will be 
done. He said, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass for me. But he said, not my will, but, but, but thy will be done. And so on this Good Friday, somebody better say, thy will be done. I, it's not about the process. It's not about the protocol. It's, it's not about the plans. But, but thy will be done in my life, in my home, in my family, in my marriage, in my children, on my job, in my career. Somebody better say, thy will be done on this Good Friday. Thy will... Amen, 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 amen. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for being here, let, letting us experience the power of your presence, God. God, whatever you have in store for us, let us move out of the way. Let us decrease so that you can increase, so that your will be done in our, every facet of our lives. God, those that are in this room, those that are listening from a distance, that are, are in this room from uh, digitally, God, God, I'm asking that you do something in powerful in their life. God, let this be a transcendent moment in, in, in homes and in families, Lord. God, let this be one of those ground-shaking moments, those nights, that, those, 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 those places that we go back and we say, that was the day that it changed for me, for somebody. God, let this not just be another Good Friday service, but God, let something be changed in the atmosphere so that lives and, 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 and hopes and dreams are, are, are shifted, Lord God, that ministries are our births, Lord God, that, 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 that depression is lifted, Lord God, that, that sickness is broken, God. Let something happen tonight that shifts the atmosphere, God, that lives are changed. For your glory. Anybody partnering with me in that prayer today? Can somebody say amen? Come on, can somebody say amen? Come on, put your hands together in agreement as you're seated this evening. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. We find in John chapter 26 a story Jesus is setting them up the disciples for that moment when he'll be crucified. We find in John 26 and chapter 26 and verse number one, it says when Jesus had finished saying some things, he'd given some messages and he'd, he'd given some exhortation. And so after that is finished, he, he, he tells them and he says to the disciples, he says this uh, in verse number two, he says, as you know, Passover begins in just a couple of days. And the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. We looked through the Gospels. This is the fourth time that Jesus tells his disciples that I'm about to die. I don't know about you, but I don't need someone to tell me the same thing four times over and over and over. Sarah may differ, she may disagree, but I don't think that I needed to be repeated to me four times. But there was something about the understanding of the disciples that Jesus felt like he needed to repeat this over and over again. 
We find that earlier in Matthew, he tells them, listen, y'all, in just a little while, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And it says that they were sorely grieved. He's explaining to them and he's trying to prepare them for the day when he no longer will be with them. He's trying to prepare them, not just that he is going to die a natural, peaceful death, but he's trying to get them uh, prepared for something that is going to be gruesome and ugly. This is that when he said that I'm going to die by crucifixion, they understood the gravity and then the imagery of this situation. They knew that it wasn't just going to be some regular, uh, everyday ceremony where he's going to die and we're going to celebrate. But when he says I'm going to be crucified, they understood the brutality of this situation and he begins to tell them and I can understand why they were so grieved and why they were so hurt because they understand the ugliness of crucifixion and so the disciples are, 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 are worried and they're heartbroken and they're telling him this is not going to happen there's no way we're going to fight for you there's no way it's going to happen that you're going to be crucified there's no way that this is going to take place you must be confused you weren't confused about all the other things you talked about but this one thing sir you must be confused by because there is no way you're going to have to die in such a tragic manner there's no way that you're going to have to be uh, uh, crucified and, and be publicly humiliated there was no way but Somewhere along the way, these scholars that had spent time with Jesus must have forgot that by his stripes, we are healed. But the wounds that were carried because of the words of Jesus Christ caused them to, uh, to, to manifest in such a way that they began to not believe and not trust. And that's what wounds do. Few, probably a month ago, the weather was changing. We no longer, well, we experienced one recently, but I thought we were no longer going to experience these snow, lightning, hail, tornado storms, or whatever it is that we're, we're experiencing. The winds had kind of died down. I heard some birds chirping. I felt like spring had arrived. So I decided it was good to, to no longer hibernate. I was going to get out and enjoy the, the, the fresh air and, and, and you know, get, get my legs moving. So I was going to take a walk. And you see, it was really nice. Like my neighborhood is nice. Everybody's friendly. They wave to you. They're, they're very kind. You know, everybody, you know, they're ones that'll take your, your, your uh, trash cans up to your garage. At the, like that, that's a, I live in one of those nice neighborhoods where people are kind and nice and wonderful. And so I was going and I thought it would be a great day to take a nice old walk. So I took a walk and everything was nice and wonderful. I'm waving. And unbeknownst to me, it was not as spring as I thought it was going to be. And your boy did the splits. Just straight did the Michael Jackson splits with some, on some ice. And you see, here's the deal. I don't need you to laugh so heartily at my tragedy. That's number one. Number two, I understand I'm not as limber as I used to be. But listen, I said this one little spill is not about to take me out. Devil, not today. Get thee behind. Hey. 
And so I slid on over to the grass, you know, one of those, you know those deals, you, you can't get up on the ice, so you got to slide on over, slide on over, slide on over to the grass. I got myself up. Listen, I said, rejoice not against me, O my enemies, for when I fall, <laughs> I shall arise. Hey, won't he do it? So I kept on going. And I was feeling good. Like, like you ever overcome something? You've overcome and you've climbed that mountain, you've experienced that hardship and you made it out on the other side and you look and said, you know what? Look at how far I've come in here. Anybody ever been there in your life? You're just like, it could have took me out, but I made it another day. Anybody ever been there? And so I was feeling it. I had like a new vigor because I had made it through. I had survived the test. The first test of spring, I survived for about five steps. And for real, your boy was down for the, for the count once again. Just straight. This time I did not do the splits, so y'all can stop imagining that. I just straight just buckled and, and slid. And you know, the first time I kind of just immediately just pushed myself over, this time it took me a little moment. You know, the first time I felt like I had to do it from a pride. I didn't want nobody to think that I couldn't do it on my own. So, you know, you, you, you bounce back up real quick. Just make sure nobody saw. This time I was like, I don't care who about it. And I don't care. I don't care who sees. I'm out. <laughs> and so, listen, I'm, I kind of just hands and knees crawled on off the ice, dusted myself off, and I had to make a decision. Am I done? It was a valiant effort. I made it half a block. It's good. It was a good effort. Or will I fight on? And I said, listen, a little ice and a couple falls will not stop me. I will not be stopped. I will not slow down. We're going to do this today. So your boy kept on going slowly gingerly, apprehensively. You would have saw me like, I was like one of them cartoon characters, like sneaking, like, like the Grinch. Like that was me. I was not about to fall again. And I made it a good block. And it was good. And I made it and I made the decision. Listen, my goal, I have my goal. I haven't hit my goal yet. I'm going to hit my goal. Until I wiped out a third time your boy was out for real and it's in those moments where I'm like let me call Sarah and have her come pick me up <laughs> let me call Sarah real quick <laughs> mayday SOS call but here's the deal I did my best I had every plan and intention to go out and be successful. I was trying to shake off the, 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 the winter uh, uh, dust, trying to be healthy, trying to live my best life. And let me tell you, I have not been on another walk since. I am not doing that again. Listen, YouTube videos, that's where I'm at. 
That's what wounds do. We understand what it's like to live life and trying our best and doing what we can to, to, to be successful and live the life that God called us to, that, that healthy Christian life. But we also know what it's like to encounter trials and tribulations and struggles and, and, and strife and issues that do everything it can to deter us from reaching that high calling, pressing towards the mark of the high calling of God. That's what we're going for, but we know every step of the way the enemy of our soul is doing everything he can to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And as Christians, we understand what it's like to walk through this life wounded. Jesus is telling his disciples that I'm about to be done, it's about to be over. Jesus is grieving because they're not hearing him and listening. He's carrying the wounds of, of these conversations and they're carrying the wounds of, of hearing and imagining the bitterness of his death. And we find that continues to go on that he's not only experienced the wounds of them not understanding, but in verse 3 it says, at the same time, the leading priests and elders, they were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest, plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. In the same moment when he's trying to implore his disciples, he is simultaneously being plotted against to be killed, and he has not done anything wrong. He understands what it's like to be wounded. In verse number 6, it says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. You'll find a common theme throughout this whole portion of Scripture. It is filled with people that know what it's like to be hurt. You see, Simon clearly knows what it's like to be separated. As a leper, he cannot engage, he cannot uh, associate, he cannot uh, touch, he cannot be hugged, he cannot hug, he can't have it's like to be forgotten. He knows what it's like to be left out. He knows what it's like to be ridiculed and talked about and, 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 and seen as nothing. He knows what it's like, just like some of you. The Bible says, such were some of you. And we know what it's like. There are some that are looking around and saying, listen, you all look nice, you look wonderful, you have no idea the pain that I'm carrying, the wounds that I've brought in this evening. Simon understood. And so we find that Jesus is, is in Bethany and he's, 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 he's uh, sitting with, with Simon, someone that used to, to not be able to associate, but now Jesus is declaring by his presence that what's what was, was off limits is now available. What's, what used to no longer be touched is now clean. Not because you've declared it clean or you've caused it to be clean or you've said it's worthy or you've begun, he, there's all the check marks that have been, but because I have deemed it worthy. There's some of you that need to understand that I understand that life has been difficult. You are experiencing the wounds and the hardships, but Jesus is in the room and he's looking at you and saying, listen, it's not by your righteousness because your righteousness is filthy rags, but, but it's because I've called you, I've destined you, I've anointed you, I've seen you, I've positioned you, I've called you, I've called you friend. Somebody needs to understand that you are a friend of God no matter the word, no matter what was said about you, no matter what you've been through through an experience, God has called you to something great. 
by his presence. So we find that Jesus is with Simon, and, and, and while they're eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster box of expensive perfume, poured it over his head. We understand if we look in another gospel writing, there's a retelling of this situation that it's Mary. Again, someone that understands what it's like to be wounded. Anyone seeing the theme here? Anyone understand what's happening here? And we find that she takes this beautiful, ornate jar of expensive perfume. Another version says she broke it and poured it out on Jesus. And we see in verse number eight something that we all have experienced. Immediately, with this demonstration of worship, with this demonstration, that God, you are able to do something incredible. God, you are worthy of it all. God, I sing hallelujah to you. Immediately, the disciples were indignant when they saw this. And they said, what a waste. What a waste. Doesn't she understand that this is expensive and it's, it, 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 it's passed down from generation to generation. This is sacred. This is holy. Doesn't she understand that there's some decorum and, and there's a process to, to utilizing this? Isn't there, don't they, doesn't she understand? Mary, what are you doing? This is, not, this is not the time. This is not the place. This is not how it's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to break that in here. You're not supposed to use that in here. You're not supposed to operate in this way. You're not supposed to, this is not supposed to happen. Immediately, they're saying, listen, that that is a waste. And when I was getting ready and, and I kept coming back to this idea of waste, they looked at what was broken and called it a waste. And here's what so often happens for me. I don't know about y'all. Can I be transparent? Please don't judge me on Good Friday. judge me tomorrow at the Easter egg hunt. That's fine. We often look at the wounds that we carry, those broken places in our life, those experiences, those things that have led us and those wounds that, that, that we've experienced. And instead of understanding the purpose, we see it as waste. Sarah and I were talking about this yesterday, or I don't know, the other day. Maybe she does need to tell me something four times. I can't remember. We were having this conversation about how oftentimes we experience hurt and heartache and, and things of that nature and trying to figure out what's the purpose. But what we have to understand is that with God, our brokenness is never wasted. Mary's brokenness in this moment, her pouring out something of great value, wasn't wasted. Because there's something bigger at work. You see, the disciples are still caught up on the fact that this can't happen. We got to make sure everything's protected. We got to make sure everything is good. We're about to set up a kingdom. We're about to be, he's about to be the king. We're about to be the under kings and it's about to go down. They don't understand that something bigger is happening in the midst of brokenness. 
Something amazing is happening. Something spiritual, something heavenly is happening when we engage in the midst of brokenness. On this Good Friday, those that are carrying the wounds and the broken places in their life, you're here this evening, and I know we're about to do communion, and, and I, you're like, how is this a communion message? Don't worry, I'm about to wrap this up real, real quick. I promise you. But, but let me tell you, there are some, some of you that need to understand that your brokenness is not just a place. It's not just something that happened. It's not just a wound you're going to carry. But God is going to bless you even in the midst of your brokenness. God is going to bring something out in you in the midst of your brokenness. God is about to do something incredible because you're broken. God's about to bring something out in your family, in your home, in your marriage. Why? Because you were willing to operate in the midst. Your brokenness is not a waste. Immediately Jesus, if you go to verse number 13, he says, tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds, her brokenness, will be remembered and discussed. The good news, the death, the burial, and the resurrection is the message that changes the life and the trajectory of humanity. And because of her willingness to operate in brokenness, she will be actively used to change the story of lives, of homes, of families, and the future from this generation. It says, unto your children and your children's children and those that are far off. Some of you need to understand that somebody else is going to be loosed and be free because of your brokenness. Jesus Christ came and robed himself in flesh to bring a heavenly blessing even when things look broken. Peter wrote this in his first letter, third chapter. He says, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, Brother Carl, even if you carry the wounds of doing what's right, of doing everything you can, you thought the doctors told you this was right, and the, 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 the research said it was right, and the Bible told you it was right, the pastor told you it was right, but you're still wounded, and you're still hurt, and you're still experiencing the brokenness of life. Don't worry, because God will reward you for it. Someone needs to embrace your brokenness. Someone needs to embrace the fact that God, that you're going through some trials and some struggles. That report is not just to break you, but God is going to bless you in the middle of your brokenness. Let me tell you why. Because not only do we experience broken, 
broken places and broken spots, but we know that Jesus does. It says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Someone needs to understand that your wounds will be healed. Why? Because of Good Friday. What he did on the cross of Calvary is going to bring about a healing it's going to bring about a restoration in your life and so here we are I'm about to finish this Sister Tabitha can you come we find that in the midst of all of this Jesus then takes them to the last supper table. In verse number 17, it says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? And as you go into the city, he told them, You'll see a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My, my time has come and I'll eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus told them and prepared the Passover meal there. It says, and when it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve. And it says, while they were eating. It says, Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. One of you will betray me today. Greatly distressed. Each one asked, am I the one? Is it me? And then he replied, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl, he is the one that will betray me. It'll be far better for that man if he was never to be born. And so Judas, the man who would betray him, said, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus said, you are the one that said it. And then it says they continue to eat. It says Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. He broke it and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it. For this is my body. Verse number 27, it says, And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he, he gave it to them and said, Each one of you drink. For this is my blood. This is the blood that confirms the covenant between God and his people. You know, back in the day when it says that he was slain from the foundations of the world, this is that blood. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. But then he says this, Brother Carl. This shook me 
He says, mark my words. He says, I'll not, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it. New with you in my Father's kingdom. You see, you have to remember, just a couple of days ago, he's telling them, y'all, I'm about to be done. It's about to be over. It's about to be finished. Malachi, he prepares this beautiful feast. Prepares this last supper. This amazing spread, amazing table. Shares some words of wisdom. Drops that bomb that somebody's about to betray him. Reveals to them why is the brokenness necessary? Why is the crucifixion necessary? Why must your body be, why, why must it be broken? Why must blood be shed? To take on the sins of the world. Why must he go up on that cross? Why must he be afflicted? Why must he be rejected? He's explaining all of these things. He's wrapping up the whole story. But then he says this. Mark my words. Because though it may look like it's over, though we're talking as if I'm saying my final goodbyes, though some terrible things, some ugly things, some hard things are in the immediate future, he's trying to get them to understand something. It's not over. You see, there are some of you that have experienced the ugliness of life. Jesus said it this way to Peter. He said, Peter, and, I, and this is one that I quote all the time. This is one I have to quote to myself all the time. He says, Peter, Satan desires to have you, to sift you like wheat, to cut you down. Some of y'all here this evening know what it's like. Some of you can show the scars, the wounds, the fresh wounds. Hasn't even been scabbed over yet. You know what it's like to get the report and the enemy telling you it's over. It's finished. You see, they put him on the cross. They mocked him, they jeered him, they sold his robes. He took that last breath, said it was finished, and it says he gave up the ghost. There were some that thought that that was the end. 
the culmination of their life's work was finished on that cross. The culmination of your life's work snuffed out with that one tragedy. Snuffed out with that one doctor's report. Some of you know what it's like. Hopes and dreams in that relationship, in that child, snuffed out. But let me tell you this. The same writer that wrote in the 53rd chapter that told us that by his stripes he would be bruised, he would be beaten, the same one that wrote that wrote in chapter 43. Sarah, can you put up Isaiah 43? He says, this is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, he says that for your sake, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylon, Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. The ones that captured you, the ones that tried to defeat you, the ones that enslaved you, the ones that beat you, the ones that told you you were worthless, the ones that told you there was nothing for you, the ones that told you there was no future available to you, those same ones, I'm going to make them flee. For I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator and King. In verse number 16, he says, I am the Lord, the one who opened up the way through the waters. You remember that? The one who you thought it was over at that time? I opened up the waters and made a way for you to come through on dry land. I am that God. In verse number 17, he says, I'm the one that called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all of its chariots and its horses and drew them beneath the waters. The ones that tried to destroy you, the ones that imprisoned you for generations after generations, those curses that kept coming back the one that broke that I am the one in verse number 18 it says that but forget all of that forget all of those things because it is nothing compared to what I'm going to do in your life there's brokenness in your past there's de defeat in your past there's evilness in your past there's negativity in your past and I brought you out of your past but don't worry about that because what I am bringing about in your life today is going to be much greater than all of those things it is not finished So hear me, we're about to take communion. Can I have my elders come? That was my first close. This is the actual one. We're about to take communion. Paul told the church in Corinth this. He says, as often as you do this, this is what he said, this is what he said. The, the Lord says this, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance 
of me. Remember the brokenness. Remember the fact that he gave of himself so that you could have life. Remember that blood was shared. It was shed for you and I. So that now, none of the suffering, none of the wounds, none of the trials, none of the issues, none of that is wasted. But now we are able to live life and life more abundantly. But also remember this. He's spoken greatness in your future. He's brought you out of some things in your past. You are here as a result of the goodness of God. You are here as a result of the faithfulness of the Father. You are here because somebody prayed that your faith fail not. So you are standing here as a miracle because of how good God is. So someone needs to thank the Lord this evening. Someone needs to just say, thank you, Lord. Because if it had not been for you on my side, I wouldn't make it today. If I had not been for you over my family, my children wouldn't make it. If it had not been for you in my business and blessing me, my business wouldn't make it. There are some of you that truly understand what it's like to be in a place where you did not have the answer and God opened up a way. He made a way where there seemeth to be no way. But you need to remember this. The latter reigns. What is to come in your ministry, in your family, in your future, in your health, in your finances is greater than all of those things that have happened before. So when the enemy comes and says, give up, it's not worth it. Why are you fighting so hard? Somebody needs to say, because God has spoken a word in my future. As we're taking this communion today, someone needs to rem be reminded that, listen, you may fall down, you may get bruised, you may get beaten, you may get battered, but listen, get back up and keep on walking. Get back up and keep on believing. Get back up and keep having the faith. Why? Because his word will never return void, but he says, I will go with you until the very ends of the age. So as we stand all over the room this evening, I'm gonna invite you to everyone that will and anyone that would like to, to participate with us in communion. I'm gonna ask you to do some things. So I'm gonna give you instructions beforehand because after that, I need you to have a moment with God. It's not about me. It's not about going through a process. As you can see, we didn't really have a process tonight. It's just been all over the place. But God has been in it. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so I'm going to give you all the instructions in, 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 in education speak. I'm going to front load this so that then you can, can go and... and, and Go about it how you will, okay? So again, as Paul's giving them instructions on, on, on communion, he talks about breaking the bread, and this is his body. Do it in remembrance of the brokenness. 
says, take the, the wine. This is his blood that was shed for you. Over all of the sin and the, the ugliness that we had to carry, and we should carry, and we're supposed to carry, if it had not been for him. But he also says that anybody that does this unworthily sins against God. And that doesn't mean that you've got to be perfect and you've got to have your, your life right before you can take communion. That's not what it means. But it says, let every man inspect his heart. We talked about at the beginning, there are some that are carrying some things. Wounds and, and hurts are directly linked to hatred and bitterness and anger. If you poke anger a little bit, you'll find a wound. You dig a little deeper into some bitterness, Sister Roseanne, I've learned, you get into some bitterness in me, you're gonna find a wound that is scabbed over by bitterness, that's scabbed over by anger. There are some that are carrying some wounds that are manifesting in some places and some things that we've got to give that over to the Lord. And say, God, this wound almost took me out. This place and this problem and this issue almost took me out. But tonight, tonight something's going to be different because you've spoken victory in my future. You've spoken hope in my future. You've spoken peace into my future. You've spoken love and joy into my future. So today, God, I'm going to hand it on over to you. There are some that are carrying some things that God never intended for you to carry. And they're stopping you from living in the victory that God has called you to. So as we're taking communion, I'm going to invite you to hand some of those things over. Pray, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Pray this evening, God, release me. God, let me bask in your marvelous light. That's what I'm going to ask you to do. And then he says that as you partake, Give honor and remember. So we're going to worship and they're going to sing and they're going to do that. And I'm going to ask you to partake as you see fit. If you'd like to, to do the, the cup with the, the juice first, you do you. But what I'm going to ask is that as you partake in every part, take a minute to celebrate Celebrate that he broke himself so that you could be whole. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Take a minute. 
So before you go, like, don't rush it. Don't, don't, we're not trying to rush through this, Dr. D. We're not trying to just get through, just check it off on Holy Week. But somebody just take a minute and just give God the honor and give God the praise and give God the glory that he's due. I'm asking you to do these things on your own and give God a celebration that he is worthy of. Can someone say amen? amen. So this evening, once that's done, I'm going to dismiss you. You are free to go as you see fit. You're free to stay, to come and celebrate. You can come. You can, you can do it. Take it down here at the altar. I'm, I'm inviting you to. Just please step off to the side so others can get theirs. You can go back to your seat. You can come to the stairs. You're wherever. There is no limitations. All I ask is that you take a minute and you remember that God has called you. He's brought you out of some things. He has kept you from some things and he has spoken into your future. Victory, hope, and joy. So I'm inviting you to come from wherever you are. Please partake, giving some things over and taking that minute to celebrate what God has done in your life. Whoa.